Hey guys, it's Friday. Welcome back to a new episode of Those Murder Girls Podcast. Except for Lori and Chad Daybell. <laughs> yeah, no, you two are not welcome here. <laughs> Turn your prison-issued radios off right now, you two. <laughs> now that they're gone, <laughs> as always, we are your hosts. This is Raina. And I'm Marie. And we just want to start out this morning by saying pretty thank much- Thank God. Yeah, thank freaking gosh that murder charges have finally been filed against Chad Daybell and Lori Vallow for the killing of poor Tylee and JJ. Oh, and apparently Chad's ex-wife as well now. And soon we will see Lori's ex-husband. Yes. Charges on that guy. Is the list just going to keep coming? Yeah, so the brother, God. exes, she was married four times. Oh How God. many of them are alive? Yeah, just when we thought that justice would finally prevail, Lori's attorney deems her mentally unfit for trial. She so, seems pretty fucking competent yeah. to me. Yeah, no, he literally she said... She pulled off a pretty, like, long, elaborate scam. scheme. Yeah, he said in the article we were reading today that she is incompetent to stand trial. Well, that's BS. We'll just have oh, to see where that goes. Shit. Because if we have to do it ourselves, Marie, <laughs> Tylee and JJ are going to get justice. They will get the justice they deserve. So, guys, today's case is on a brutal double murder that took place in Hong Kong way back in 1985, which I'm pretty sure is the year that Marie was born. 89. Oh, my God. Okay, let's not talk about it. (laughs) So, it involved two British sweethearts. They were teenagers. And this case is widely known as the Braemar Hill Murders. So turn up your volume and let's get this Friday morning started the right way with some new true crime. But you guys, if you're not joining us on Friday, we're still here for you. But you should always tune in first thing Friday morning. And hey. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, but seriously, let's get started. Okay, so the story starts back in 1985 with Kenneth McBride. He was 17 and Nicola Myers was 18 and they were both studying abroad in Hong Kong at the Island International School and they were both British students. So they fit into this international school extremely well. They were like both very popular around campus. Uh, They had lots of friends. They participated in all sorts of activities. Kenneth had joined the students' union, and he actually became the president. He was a part of the school rowing team, and he also joined the debate team, and Nicola joined as well. So these two had a lot going on for them. They were both very busy. Now, Nicola was just as popular as Kenneth. She was very smart, and she was into linguistics, which for anyone that has studied linguistics, it's a really tough study. So Nicola was a very, very smart girl. She had a dream of becoming an interpreter, which, I mean, also makes sense as to why she chose linguistics, considering it's the scientific study of language. So here's these two very young, smart individuals. They were in love. They were full of passion, living abroad in Hong Kong, and really just enjoying their youth. Don't you wish you would have done something like that when you were younger? Well, you kind of did. You joined the military. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, well, I didn't do that. And... (laughs) It didn't occur to me until like three years ago that I wanted to do something like that, but 
then it was just too fucking late. I'm way too deep into life. You're still so young, though. To work on a cruise ship the way that I want to and, like, (laughs) bartend and party with patrons. And you've cruised a lot more than me. I just went on my first cruise not too long ago, Uh, and I was like, this is, like, the life. I know. I'm going on one November 2022. Did you book your room? I did. You booked your room? I paid my deposit. You better send me that confirmation. I don't remember you doing And I got another $25 link for drinks and stuff like that. Okay, all right. (laughs) But I did. I joined the military. So I got to go to like Egypt and Korea, which was super cool. But I think being an exchange student or like studying abroad. Would be so awesome. That'd be super cool. Yeah. So anyway, clearly Kenneth and Nicola had a very, very bright future for themselves. And you guys, the horrific crime that cut their lives short really just makes this story even so much sadder for Raina and I to tell you guys. I mean, as if murder isn't brutal enough in itself, it just like they had so much going on for their future and who knows what they would have gone on to accomplish, like what amazing people they would be in this world now. Mm-hmm. So on the afternoon of April 20th, 1985, Kenneth and Nicola decided that after a super long day at school being indoors that they were going to head out to Braemar Hill to study up for some upcoming tests that they have. So Braemar Hill was a super like quiet, relaxing place that was perfect for studying. And it was one of Nicola's most favorite places. It was super luxurious, filled with tons of high-end homes. And it was like tucked super cutely like onto this like countryside. And according to this story and Google images, it's like (laughs) one of the most stunning places. I need to go. Yeah. Nicola just loved this affluent little neighborhood. She talked about the flowers and the houses all the time and was just always drawn to that part of town. So when the couple decided that they wanted to set out and relax, what better place? So they find this perfect little spot and they tuck themselves away near the Tai Tam Country Park. So they picked this little spot for themselves along a pathway and they began to study, having no idea the horror that they are about to endure. At the same time that this couple is relaxing and minding their own business, flipping through the pages of their books, there's a group of hoodlums not far away from them. This group had been in the area of Braemar Hills just a little bit before Kenneth and Nicola had arrived. The group consists of five guys whose names are Pang, he's 24, Tam, who's 20, Choi, who's 25, Chung, who's 17, and Wong, who is 16. And they're just roaming around, literally looking for trouble. Well, I, okay, what is a 25-year-old doing hanging out with a 15-year-old anyways? That's what I want to know. Like, what? So, obviously, these guys are bored. They're up to no damn good. So, at first, they had got an idea that they wanted to steal something. And the leader of the group, which was later identified as Pang, He tells the group of friends, like, go to this government aerial station. It was up on the hillside and steal one (laughs) of those cables. Like, we'll we'll steal it and we're going to, you know, turn and sell it for money. All right. Well, that's one way to make some money. An aerial cable? Yeah. I looked at pictures. I'm like, that seems like a really rough project. Like, why don't you just walk into a store and just try to, like, steal uh, what you want? They wanted the cable. It's a lot easier. All right. (laughs) Steal the fucking cable. Odd. So the group of boys was unsuccessful, as I would imagine, in attempting to steal this cable on multiple occasions that day. So (laughs) clearly, like we said, we looked at pictures. Have you seen these cables? Like, what idiots? Failures. So the group of friends 
gang members, which were friends, they were frustrated. They weren't able to steal in order to get any money. So as they're walking, they stumble across Kenneth and Nicola that were studying on that pathway. The group wasted no time. They set their sights right onto the couple. Now, originally, they're thinking in their minds like, hey, here's some European tourists. Like, they probably have some money. Let's get rich. Let's rob them. Clearly, we were unsuccessful with the cable situation. (laughs) Well, much to their dismay, you guys, Kenneth and Nicola only had a dollar on them. And this, like, infuriated the group of boys. They were so freaking pissed off. They were so enraged that Kenneth and Nicola, minding their own business, had one dollar on them. They weren't planning on being robbed. (laughs) Right? Or purchasing anything on their own. So this is when the horrific torture begins for this innocent young couple that were merely studying for their exams. Now, we're going to warn you guys what we're about to tell you regarding their murder is very intense and brutal in nature. So we just we just want to state that for you guys. A little PSA for you. Yeah. So Pang, the leader of the group, directs the guys to start attacking Kenneth and Nicola. Pang then himself turns his attention on poor, frightened Nicola whilst he's, like, telling the rest of the group, beat, like, beat up Kenneth, bound him up. All the while, Kenneth is being, uh, like, just beaten. He's being strangled by these four men that are overpowering him. And while this is happening, you guys, Pang rapes Nicole as she's literally watching the love of her life, Kenneth, die. He was being suffocated to death by them, and they were strangling him using his own arm sling mm. that he had been wearing that day. Like, I can't, Mm-mm. I can't even imagine what was going through her mind, Mm-mm. right? It's terrifying. And as if it wasn't sick enough, Ping wasn't done. He mutilates poor Nicola in her private area with sticks that he had found laying around <sighs> and a bottle. You guys, Nicola had at least 500. 500 cuts all over her poor body. And Kenneth, he had over 100 injuries to his body. Fucking evil. Pure evil. It's it's disgusting what these men did to them. And after this ongoing attack and the poor rape of Nicola, the men just decide that, you know, they had to die. They couldn't leave them alive and risk being caught for this crime. So they mm-hmm. murder both Kenneth and Nicola. Nicola, when she was found, had a broken jaw. One of her eyes was out of her socket, Mm -mm. and she was partially clothed when she was found. The group then stole Nicola's Nike shoes off of her, almost as some sort of, like, sick souvenir. They then destroyed all of the couple's work and textbooks that they had been using to study, and they left them up there on the hill. Left them, like, nothing. Like, just the evilness inside this group that they could do this to them. I mean, this couple that had so much promise ahead of them, it, I mean, it makes you sick to think about. It's too much for me. So later on that evening, obviously the couple never returns home. Their concerned families head out to search the city for them, looking for any, you know, traces of where the couple could be. They called the local Hong Kong police to report Kenneth and Nicola missing, and it wouldn't take long for that couple to be found. The following morning after their murder, a jogger had set out on that same path that just one day earlier the sweethearts were murdered on. 
and he comes across the horrific scene and remains of Kenneth and Nicole. This discovery of their remains and the details of the brutal murder completely shock that quiet little countryside and just rattle Hong Kong. The murder rate in Hong Kong was actually fairly low at this time. The British were enraged that something so horrific could happen to one of their own. And both Britain and Hong Kong were like demanding answers. So the police get together this huge force of 800 plus policemen and they start the investigation scouring that whole crime scene, looking over evidence, packaging it up and doing whatever they can to ensure that they find the killers. While they're at the crime scene, they find those sticks that were used to assault poor Nicola. They found all of the books that the couple had been using to study just thrown across the hillside. And they also found semen located on Nicola's body, as well as partial fingerprints that were found on her, the books, and the sticks. But sadly, like so many cases... The murder happened during a time where technology and forensics weren't at the capability that they are now. So that evidence that you would think would like tie them to the killer or killers like ASAP just it didn't. (laughs) So I'm sure the families were just like, why don't we have answers? You guys have all of this evidence that was left behind. They're super frustrated I mean, you'd think that fingerprints and semen were like, you yeah. know. Signed, sealed, delivered. Exactly, Boom. We're yeah. good to go. We got it. <laughs> so this case goes on to be cold for seven to eight months. Today's age, it would have been freaking solved. Overnight. Boom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Direct match. Here's the killer. Back in the 80s, different time. Not so much. So with a stall on connecting the evidence um, for the murder of Kenneth and Nicola, you know, with it going cold for quite a bit of time, a local businessman who was actually located in Hong Kong, he donated a whopping $500,000 to the police department. And then that money was used as a reward for anyone that had any information. Any information, I know, any information about the case, you know, that would bring them closer to the killers, to justice. So luckily, once this award was announced, like, so all sorts of tips start coming in from the public. Like anybody that had any information, everything's flowing in. A lot of these tips were kind of just dead ends. I think some were just calling in to cash out on the reward. But then a very credible lead came in. Now this lead was from none other than one of the members <laughs> of the group that martyred the couple. I That's mean, not a, how it works, Of course, bro. they were trying to steal a cable for cash like he's like i want that you know 500k 500k so he called the police station and he stated that someone which by the way guys was later identified as paying the leader had been acting suspiciously and that paying could possibly be involved in this murder well with that tip it did not take the police long because within 48 hours paying and all of his assailants were then arrested and charged with the horrific murder of Kenneth and Nicola. So the evidence that they had against the group of five, I mean, they didn't really hesitate much. They all kind of decided to give the investigators details about the murder of the couple. 
And the only one to actually plead guilty in this case was the youngest, which was 16-year-old Juan. So because of Juan's age, he was not sent to jail. He was actually detained at Her Majesty's pleasure. An explanation of that term for you guys, because I had no idea what Neither it meant. Neither did I. I don't even think I've ever heard of it we before. We had to Google it. I was like, what yeah. is this? So basically, somebody who's underage and is detained due to a serious offense, like <coughs> <coughs> double murder, <laughs> um, they are detained for an indefinite amount of time. And the king or queen, whoever is reigning at the time, gets to basically determine when that person is released. Hmm. Plain and simple. So they don't get thrown into jail like, oh, you're serving 10 years to life or three years. They go in until the king or queen says that they can come out. So Juan would go on to serve as a prosecution's witness during the trials, but he himself did not stand trial. And every country is just so different, you know? Like, I don't know, the terms, the trials, court system. So this is how... Hong Kong handled the case. Yeah. yeah, I find it very interesting how every, obviously every country has their own legal system and, you and know, how they handle prosecution, things. how they handle things and everything. It is just, you know, it's very different across the world. So now at the trial, the prosecution had to take a look at the fact that none of these boys really had any criminal record. I mean, they well, had Now a they few, do. Right. <laughs> Sorry. Not today. <laughs> so a few misdemeanors like here and there, but I mean, it was nothing. They really had nothing too serious. So Chung, who was just 17 years old at the time of the murder, he had no family. He was actually abandoned at a very young age. He ended up at an orphanage. So he didn't have a steady life. He had dropped out of school. He ended up on the streets as a teen, which during that time, unfortunately, he had met Pang. And so Pang then recruited Chung into, you know, his gang, his gang of hoodlums. So during the trial, the prosecution laid out the details of just this horrific murder. The couple, Nicola and Kenneth, they they actually didn't go down without a fight, which makes the story even sadder like they fought like so many sad levels levels of this story and this is just one of them (laughs) they fought back so hard against this gang it was also said during the trial that Pang literally told nicola he would let her go free if she had allowed him to rape her Mm -mm. and i can't even imagine the fear inside of nicola during that time because she refused yes she's like no said no she refused pain she said you're not gonna do this to me Mm -mm. and then he he killed her because of it like it's it's it was awful you guys the details laid out before the court in the trial they were horrifying i'm sure they were horrifying for those that attended because the families were there It's just very sad. And after the trial was finished, all five defendants were, in fact, found guilty. I mean, as they should. But Juan's family, in particular, had pled with the court and the families of Kenneth and Nicola for leniency on their son Mm -mm. for the murders. Mm -mm. They pled. Like, they pleaded with him. And in a crazy turn of events, they gave Juan leniency, which is better than I can say. There's no way in fucking hell that I would be lenient to a monster like that. Mm -mm. So Juan ended up being sentenced to 27 years for his part in the murders. He actually went on to be released in 2004 and then got a stable job at a local law firm. Yeah. So the law firm 
This job was given to him through the Hong Kong Government Criminal Rehabilitation Program. Mm, got it. Yeah. So Chung had no family. He grew up in the foster system. He had no one on his behalf to plead for any sort of leniency and was ultimately sentenced to 35 years. At one point, he appealed that sentence and begged the court for a lighter one, but was denied. Good. He was released in 2007 and had or has, I don't know, a job as an inspector of some sort. Pang, Tam, and Choi were sentenced by the courts to death, but in 1993, the court overturned that death penalty against all three of the men and resentenced them to life in prison without the possibility of parole. Tam ended up dying in prison in 2009 after battling cancer at the age of 45. Peng and Choi are serving out their sentence, and since Wong and Chung were underage at the time, they are now free, living their lives, hopefully without murderous tendencies. We can only pray. <laughs> well, the two families will still never have their children back, Kenneth and Nicola. The case is over, and hopefully those families felt like justice was served. And in my opinion, I don't feel like justice was served in this case, per se. I just personally don't. But in 1985, the island school where Kenneth and Nicola had been studying at prior to their unfortunate murders, they had created the Nicola Myers and Kenneth McBride Memorial Fund to honor the poor slain couple. The fund supports disadvantaged school children in Hong Kong who are in severe financial need helping them pursue further education with scholarships. That's awesome. That scholarship's going to help others and keep the names and memories of Kenneth and Nicola alive. So every year they raise money for the kids via this scholarship. And if you want to donate to it, you can. We are going to list the website where contributions can be made on our social media and in our episode notes. So guys, as always, thank you for joining us today on those Murder Girls podcast. We hope you guys enjoyed today's brutal episode. Right. And if you did, which we're pretty sure that you did, head over to wherever you're listening now, rate, review, and hit the subscribe button, please. We have some huge news coming up for you guys because our one-year anniversary is right around the corner. I cannot. I can't believe it's been a year. I know. It's gone by so so fast. Our one year. It's exciting. (laughs) Thank you guys for sticking with us for a year. All your support. Make sure you guys stay tuned. As always, we hope you all have a safe weekend, except for Lori and Chad Daybell. Duh. And we'll be back here next Friday with some new true crime. Bye, Bye, guys. guys.